All right. Um, yeah, go ahead. Wow, the Lord is moving powerfully. Well, Lord, we thank you for your presence. What an awesome presence of God in this place tonight. And this is just the beginning of the service. <laughs> Great things are about to happen. But Lord, anyway, we thank you. We just ask you, Lord, let your blood be over this place and every life. Let your Holy Spirit just brood over and saturate. Lord, I pray that you would lock us in right now to give you our best ear and full attention. Lord, I pray that you'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, I pray that you'll tune us into you. Speak through me and let everything be accomplished that your will be done through this word. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name right now. All right, I'm talking about the power of impartation. I'm on number six. And I'm going to read you a story. This is about Reinhard Bonnke. How many of you guys know who Reinhard Bonnke is? All right. Powerful men of God won millions, 10, 15 million, I don't know how many, in Africa to the Lord. Great revivals, great harvest of souls, incredible healings and miracles. All right, but I'm going to tell you how it all began. Reinhardt was um, the youngest son of a preacher in Germany. The church was not, not really an on-fire powerful church, and the, the pastor, Reinhardt's father, always looked at his older brother as being the successor. So Reinhardt kind of felt like he wasn't really going to following his father's footsteps really you know he didn't really feel 100 percent accepted i guess you could say so as he began as a young man to go to bible school and really seek after god and go after god with all of his heart god gave him a divine appointment let me tell you just briefly about george jeffries because you probably don't know who this man is he lived in the days of world war ii so everybody was off fighting hitler okay and so his ministry was extremely powerful and he saw a great move of god but in the midst of that, people had to go to war, and his ministry kind of waned, not because of anything he did, but just because of circumstances. He was, if I remember correctly, he was the first preacher to be able to hold a, such a powerful crusade that it filled Albert Hall in England. He was the first one to actually do that, if I remember correctly. And um, he built a church called Kensington Temple. And when he died and passed on, which I'm about to read you that story, but... Colin Dye came years later. He's an apostle there in England and London. And Colin Dye bought Kensington Temple. And he went down in there. They started to renovate it. And as they got down in there, they started pulling out of the basements and all these different things, all these crutches and stretchers and all these things that people came to church and left. And um, it, that, he was a, George Jeffries was a powerful man of God. And Colin Dye came in and kind of resurrected, resurrected Kensington Temple. And it's there today, London City Church. So anyway, but let me give you, as George Jeffries was approaching, approaching death, and he had a few weeks left to live, this is what happened. All right. This is from a, uh, a book called George Jeffries, A Ministry of the Miraculous. And a man by the name of Bolton wrote this. And actually, Chris Cartwright was a very close personal friend of Roger. For those of you that knew Roger Stemme, he was a friend of ours. Okay, now listen to this story. Weeks before George Jeffrey's death, he received a visit at his Clapham home from a young German Bible student. The young man was named Reinhard Bonnke. He knocked at the door, the residence, and asked if he could see George Jeffries. So what happened was Reinhardt was just walking through there, 
And if you know, because I've been to Clapham, the the sub the subway, the underground, whatever they call it there, um, is right there. So he was probably walking through there, and he saw this mailbox that says George Jeffries, and he wondered, could this actually be the man? And he went up and knocked on the door. <clears throat> All right. The housekeeper was about to send him away when a voice from the inside called to him, and he entered the room where the aging evangelist was, and after some time... George Jeffries laid his hands upon Reinhardt's head and prayed for the power of God to come upon him. It was said that when that encounter happened, both of them fell out under power. This was such a powerful meeting. Um, Reinhard Bonnke has since placed on record his belief <clears throat> that God orchestrated that meeting and in some way the baton was passed from one generation to the next. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. So, George Jeffries was, you know, his life was coming to a close, and God supernaturally, sovereignly put a, a divine appointment there for that, that impartation to pass to Bonke. And Bonke is one of the few in history that actually took a mantle like that and went farther. That's what I want you guys to believe God to do, to go farther. We're living in the last days. You only have one life to live. Make it count. All right, so here's just a couple quick things about impartation. When the impartation comes in your life, that anointing, anoint means to rub in, it's going to begin to rub in and work through every area of your life. Some of it will be very wonderful, some of it will be uncomfortable because the Lord is going to deal with everything. He's going to deal with everything. He's not going to leave one stone unturned, but that anointing, if you host that anointing properly and you learn what that anointing is trying to teach you, that anointing will actually liberate you from the things that have held you back. It will actually um, heal your life. I mean, spiritually, emotionally, physically, it can bring healing to you. And that anointing will actually take you to places you could have never gone. That The anointing takes you to a place of strength. And God is wanting all these weak places to become strong in Him. But that's accomplished by the anointing. So Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's got to be a hunger and a desperation for more of God. And that's been a warning to this ministry. Do not lose the fire. Okay? You keep the fire burning by your personal prayer life. If you think that you can not pray and still be on fire for God, you're going to find out that pastor's right and it's not going to work. You, the, the priest in the Old Testament, God lit the fire on the altar supernaturally. Okay? But after that fire was lit, the priests were responsible to keep putting in the logs every day and to stoke the fire and keep the fire going. In other words, God will touch you, but it's your responsibility and my responsibility to keep the fire burning. And the Bible says that in, in uh, I believe it's First Timothy, where it talks about stirring up the gift, stirring up that fire. Fan, it, the NIV says to fan into flame what is in you through laying on hands. So the fire's been put in you. And uh, many of you have heard that that CD we played, Leonard Ravenhill, you know, and he says, if the fire died out in you, God didn't die. In other words, God's not the problem. God didn't just die on his own. God doesn't die. He's an all-consuming fire. So somebody let the fire go out, and it wasn't God. So the fire has got to keep burning bright, but it's our responsibility, and we keep that fire burning by having a personal prayer life with the Lord, spending time with him daily. Whatever you got to do, Listen, we make time for what's important. 
people will say, well, I don't have time. That's Don't give me that because you make time for your little TV show. You make time for your little video game or whatever or whatever you you got to do. You make time for it. You can make time to be with Jesus. So there's no excuse. And God's put me through the fire in this area. There's times in my life where I, I worked long hours and, and Man, I had to get up really early. I'm talking like 3.30, 4.30 in the morning just to have a little bit of a prayer time and work long hours. And So I know what it's like, but if you pay the price, I'm telling you, that fire will burn. But you've got to keep that fire going. So this year, I believe God's going to send a special grace into people's lives. This is the year of the favor of the Lord, but I'm telling you, we've got to um, allow the Lord to keep us hungry and thirsty and passionate for more of Him. Because what happens is, and it's really sad, a lot of people, even, listen, during the Brownsville Revival, I heard Pastor Kilpatrick say some things I never knew. And anyway, if it, if it wasn't him that said it, I wouldn't have believed it. He said there were people that took for granted the revival at Brownsville, that lived in Pensacola right there. They griped about something stupid, they, whatever. They took it for granted. They didn't take God's presence for granted. And Pastor Kilpatrick made this statement. He said, you know, there were people all over the world that, that, that had to take vacation hours. They had to save thousands of dollars. They had to work and save money just to be able to go. That traveled from the ends of the earth, literally. Okay, Middle East, Asia, Europe. They traveled from Africa. They came from all over the world to go to this revival. And there's people that lived there that took it for granted, that were lukewarm, and didn't even appreciate the move of God that they had right there. That's hard to believe. But that's something, there's a spirit about that of lukewarmness and coldness. There's people that go to church. Um, I knew people growing up, actually, that I went to church with. And I, and I went back and saw my, my old pastor from when I was a teenager. He was telling me that there was a couple teenagers that grew up the same time I did. And he said they went to church from the time they were little babies all the way until they were grown and moved out. And he said that their whole lives they never got saved. And they said in every single church service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, their parents took them to everything, took them to every revival. They sat through there and never got saved. And now they're not even living for God. There's some people that can be around the things of God and never really latch hold. Isn't that sad? There's people that the presence of God can be in a place and they take it so for granted. They don't, it's like they don't even care. So we've got to shake off. The, you know what the greatest warning to the last day church was not to be the Laodicean church, which was the lukewarm church. Now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said those that become lukewarm, these are people that are complacent. They don't have a burden for the lost. They just go to church out of routine. They really, they're really not hungry and passionate for him. They're just there. They're just lukewarm. Jesus said this. He said, I will spew them out of my mouth. And do you know what that means? That means that they make him sick and that he will vomit them out. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go down in heaven's history books as somebody that made Jesus nauseous. Seriously, there's going to be people in heaven. I mean, uh, if they make it to heaven, that's a big if. But there's going to be people that, that were lukewarm, and, and it made the Lord nauseous. So you've got to have a passion for God. And it's, that passion has got to exceed your desire to look good. One, there was a few things that, that Steve Hill said during the Brownsville Revival that's always stuck with me. And one of them was, he said that you have to be willing to look like a fool in the eyes of your peers to be embraced in the arms of the Lord. In other words, you've got to care more about what Jesus thinks than people around you think. 
And he used to say in that revival all the time, is there'd be people up there dancing, going crazy. And he said, some of you out there, he said, you're looking at these people and you think, all oh, that's so radical and all this. He said, you know what the definition of a radical really is? And he'd say, it's somebody that's closer to Jesus than you. That was one of my favorite things he said. But if you're really hungry for God, you will be willing to be rejected, made fun of, persecuted by men. doesn't matter as long as you can be embraced in the arms of the Lord. Rodney Howard Brown was in Africa. I'm telling you all this to hopefully stir up a fire and a passion in you for more of the Lord. Um, when he was in Africa, he grew up in a Pentecostal home. His parents were spirit-filled. They used to have people over their house. They would get baptized with the Holy Spirit, fall out under the power. Rodney said he would be underneath the little um, living room uh, coffee table, and he's down there playing with his little cars. And he said he would see people falling out all around him, speaking in tongues. And that's how he grew up. No wonder he's turned out like he has. Anyway, so he said, though, as he got older, he was working with this group, and they would travel, and they would preach and sing and minister places, and they were just a group of young people. But they were having this service. And he said in this service, he was so desperate for more of God that he was screaming at the top of his lungs, yelling, God, I've got to have more of you. And he's yelling this, I've got to have more of you. I've got to have more of you. And he's shouting at the top of his lungs. And people are kind of like, you know, looking at him, whatever. But he didn't care. At some point during the service, he said it was like a lightning bolt hit him. He was flung down. He was under the power. He said that power stayed on him for three days. And he said that that power is the same power that he ministers under today. It was imparted. But he was so desperate and hungry that he literally was screaming at the top of his voice, looking like a fool in the eyes of men. But God, he was hit with the power of God when he got up. He said he started just praying for people, and that same power that was on him was shooting. He felt it shoot through his hand, and they were getting hit by the power. And this dead, um, up until this point, it was not even spirit-filled. I mean, th these were just teenagers that were doing something for God, but there wasn't, like, tongues going on or anything. He said up to that point, it had been dry. All of a sudden, they started having revival. <laughs> revival started breaking out. So do you see how the desperation, the hunger for more of God, why do you think Rodney went to George Jeffrey's house? He was desperate for more of God, you know. Why did Steve Hill come all the way from Argentina to try to locate Benny Hinn in some holiday inn somewhere and go to all that trouble to make an international flight? He was hungry and desperate for more of the Lord. John Kilpatrick talks about how before revival broke out in Brownsville, he would go the early hours, and you heard him talk about it, Smith. Early hours, he would be, you know, 2 or 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and he would be in the sanctuary by himself, the lights off, he knew nobody was around, and he would be crying out at the top of his lungs, I've got to have more of you, God, there's got to be more. And God showed up. Deep calling to deep. A desperation for more of God. If you're content with where you're at, that's where you'll always be. If you're happy, you're like, well, you know, my little, my little life, I'm just content. Fine, you'll be there from now on, but I'm not staying there. And I've had a touch from God, but I'm going after more. With or without anybody else, I'm going after God. And I'm going to tell you, there, there's got to be a desperation where we're not content to stay where we are. I think a lot of churches have, have really missed God because they, they, they started seeing maybe a move of God or whatever, and it was good. But they just kind of just parked there. There's always more. Do you think tonight when the power of God slams everybody, do you think I'm going to be going, wow, we've arrived, Lord, 
just just let it be like this. We're just we'll just camp here. This no, I'm gonna be praying tomorrow morning, Lord. There's got to be more. There's got to be more of you. There's got to be a greater level. Let us see more of your presence, more of your glory. So there's got to always be a pursuit. And the fire, once God really touches somebody with fire in your spirit, you'll never be satisfied for anything else. You just won't. The, the honest truth is that out of obedience to the Lord, the rest of my life, I will be faithful in church attendance and tithing and living for the Lord. I'll do it. But if I, if I got stuck in some dead church somewhere, I would be miserable. I'm just being honest. Wouldn't you? Now that you've been touched by God? I mean, I couldn't handle it. I'd be sitting there going, Lord, there's I got to do something. Why do you think I did a church plan? I mean, I've got to have his presence. I've got to have him come in this place. He's got to touch us. He's got to move in power. And, and there's got to be a desperation, a desperate cry in us. Lord, if, if you're the Savior of the world, and we know you are, then let's see some people get saved. If, if Lord, if you're the healer and we know you are, then let's see some people get healed. Lord, if you're the dead raiser, let's see some dead people get healed. Lord, if you're if you're the one that delivers from demons, let's see some demons come out of people. If you're the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, then let's see some people slammed by the power of God, baptizing the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Amen. And there's got to be that cry from deep within you for more of Him. So that's basically what I wanted to share about this. Be willing to look like a fool to get more God, whatever it takes. I mean, listen, I, why do you think I'm going to Toronto? I'm going there hungry and desperate for more of him. Why do you think I went to Brownsville? Why do you think I went to these places, the Rodney Howard Brown meetings? I was, I was desperate for more of God. I'm still desperate for more of God. That fire should never die. Amen? That fire has got to get stirred up within us. But I believe in these last days God is returning us back to Book of Acts Christianity. And I also believe that we will see greater things than the early church. You know why? Because God always finishes greater than he starts. He always does. He, he always lays a foundation and builds on it. I believe that we're going to see greater things. So think about that for a minute. Think about what the early church saw. We're going to see greater. I believe that with every fiber of my being. Before Jesus comes, we're going to see the greatest move of God the world's ever seen and the greatest harvest of souls. Even though the world is going to be going through some very difficult times, the church is going to see an amazing move of God, seriously, that nobody before us has seen that level. You read about Wesley, and you read about Finney, and you read about the Cambridge Revival, and all these revivals, and it's wonderful, and we need to honor that and learn from it. But I really believe we're going to see a lot more. The Azusa Street Revival, remember, I think I've shared this. They said in 100 years there's going to be a revival like unto Azusa, but it's going to be in many places, and it's going to be greater. And the emphasis was a baptism of fire. They prophesied that. And most people believe it began in Pensacola, and it did. There's a lot we could go into with that. They also prophesied something about A and Z. And um, A was Azusa Street, and Z was Z Street, and there was a Z Street there by Brownsville. And people came in that knew that prophecy and tore that sign down. Man, took chunks of rocks and everything else. Yeah. We've got to be hungry for more of God. Amen. We need more. All right, so let's pray, and then and then we'll get into this video. But, Lord, I thank you. There's got to be a desperation for more of you. Lord, I pray that you would stir up a greater level of faith in us, Lord, that you would stir up where we're seeing things um, in our uh, prayer times. Lord, 
why can't we see that you can come down and shake a city, you can shake a, a region, you can shake a nation. Lord, you can change uh, large groups of people. You can come down in great power. And Lord, I thank you. Let us burn for you. Let there be a hunger and thirst and passion for more of you. To see greater things than we've ever seen before. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.